Perv. Slut. Wow! I hate myself. Perv. Slut. Don't make this fun! Perv. Slut. The Sexhibition. Perv. This is the Fleabag Research Project. I'm Yana Rankov, and I'll be your host. Oh, you got me. I don't carry a vagina around with me. <laughs> That'd be way too provocative. Hi, everyone. This is episode six of the Fleabag Research Project. This is my project. My name is Yana Rankov, and I'm here with my friend, Mata. Hello, Mata. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hi folks, quick note from the editing room here. So in the editing process, I realized that I hadn't asked Matab to introduce herself at all. So now months later, I hounded her to send me an introduction and this is what she sent me. So enjoy this introduction and then enjoy the episode. I have done this introduction so many times. So I will leave it with hello. My name is Matab. I work in the nonprofit world and I love TV so much. What is your relationship to the show Fleabag? How many times have you seen it? What do you think about it, et cetera? Yes, okay, so I actually, when I was in for or in second year, I broke up with my very first boyfriend and long-term partner, first, first boyfriend and first long-term partner, um, and I was in distress. Uh, but I think in as much distress as you would in your first relationship, it wasn't excessive, it wasn't normal amount of distress he was living in montreal at the time and we decided that it just wasn't going to work out and so i needed tv shows yes i needed tv shows to watch to get my mind off of things and so i had seen i think i was watching chewing gum and i was like Mm. i'm going to go more in depth into british uh dramas um and comedies i guess fleabag is kind of a comedy but when I first watched Fleabag, um, I didn't like it. I was like, yeah. what is this? Like, this is, this is just, like, too upsetting. Like, I just don't care about her. And I also think it had to do with the fact that I needed something to watch that was really happy, didn't make me think about men and relationships, or at least in a better light than Fleabag. So the, the first time I initially watched it, I was like, not interested. And um, actually, a friend at UBC had recommended it, I remember. But then three years after, when the Fleabag buzz really... For sure, with all the Emmys recently and all that stuff, for sure. All the Emmys, yeah. Everyone was like, have you watched Fleabag? Have you watched Fleabag? And I actually hadn't remembered that I'd watched Fleabag. So I was like, no, I haven't. And then I watched the first episode. I was like, I've watched this before. And I just couldn't stop watching. I Wow, is all I have to say. And I rewatched it, and then I rewatched it again, and then I rewatched it for this. Um, it's interesting that you didn't like it initially, but I understand that if you're just not in the space for it, I could see. Yeah, I was like, like a child. Mm, I was just a child. Like I don't think, don't think I could identify with her in any way. I don't think people are used to watching women in kind of like this, like very self-deprecating way and then just especially in the first season to watch it just continue over and over and over again i i think it is unique in that way um i talked to i was talking to an older couple and i was like have you watched fleabag um by older i mean like in their 60s got it so generally older people yeah generally older and the man was like you know what i just like i don't enjoy watching when women don't respect themselves i i don't i don't like watching that and it really made me think like really what other tv show depicts women in that like raw i hate the word using the word raw sure, but there's so many really, words that are so overused that i feel like have lost yeah. like calling something problematic yeah. I'm like, what am i even saying i'm saying nothing that's a nothing word yeah exactly but truly like she's like an open wound in the first season mm. um in many ways in one um and i don't think people know what women can be or just have not seen women in their many forms when they are an open wound in the many decisions that they make and um yeah <laughs> and maybe the decisions that involve them i think yes that's themselves to, yeah yeah i think it's hard to 
for men to, this is, I'm extrapolating, I don't know, but I think it might be hard for men to watch women implicate them in their self-destructive decisions and seeing all these men just take advantage of her so easily. Yeah. Yeah, Especially, yeah, especially as like a single woman, like a single Mm. woman without a family, like a, it sounds like a Pride and Prejudice line. Um, (laughs) But uh, I feel like when you don't, when it's just really you and you are also that disconnected from your family when there's just absolutely no especially in the beginning no bridge to connect these groups of people who have lived their whole lives together and it's just you and your demons I feel like we're just so used to seeing women like taking care of other people Mm -hmm. and then when a woman doesn't have other people to really take care of in that and then also kind of malfunction and also live and experience I don't know what I'm just saying words at you now but that's unique and that's I think Mm -hmm. something we don't we don't really see I would really agree with you there I think that's a really beautiful analysis of where she finds herself in the first season and where she is at that point what do you think about the first scene being like an anal sex hookup why do you think that's there how does that make you feel Oh, that's interesting. I think it was like when I first watched it, I was like, haha, like, not when I first watched it, but the second time I watched it, I was like, this is so funny and relatable. And I guess for everyone else that isn't like a young, sexually active woman, woman that might just be really surprising. And also just because the act of anal, like, requires can require or especially in the first when you're first trying any anal it requires so much um prep for sure there's like, like mental and, to, yeah yeah like both mental and physical and then the nonchalant way that it just occurred and she kind of let it and kind of made it out to be a joke i think that can be jarring for people who mm. don't have that experience with anal or just like it's a different experience for them but i just i love that it was, it was just so casual, something that could be so drawing for other people. Are you completely comfortable watching the show? Are there parts of the show that make you uncomfortable in whatever sense, not necessarily just sexually? I think what makes me most uncomfortable, or not uncomfortable, but just I have a difficult time wrapping my head around because I could, because I do, I don't think I've ever been in that kind of situation, specifically her relationship with Olivia Coleman's character. Mm. Um, uh, her stepmom, who formerly godmother, um, or currently godmother, formerly, uh, and just how much hate exists between the between them, and just how aggressively passive aggressive. Oh, your father and I often say, when you've had a few drinks, you're so like your mother. Powerfully passive aggressive. Powerfully, just just how they both kind of refuse. Also, I mean, she does. They end up she does end up yelling at her in the season finale of the first season, doesn't she? But Mm -hmm. I think the dinner scene, the dinner scene or the post dinner scene after um, Fleabag uh, releases her cat. Yeah. She pushes her and then Olivia Coleman's character hits her. And then the dad watches that unfold and they just never bring it up again. Uh, My family works very differently. And also I work very differently. I need to talk about things all the time. And I think, yeah, I just think I'm very – I'm not used to that kind of passive aggression, mm. um, especially in the context of family. Um, Persians like to yell. Persians also like to be passive aggressive, but it's mostly yelling. Um, so I think that was what was most off-putting for me. Not yeah. off-putting, but just something that I wasn't familiar with and was just like, God, how would this happen? How would this occur? I would love to return yeah. – to Olivia Coleman's ca- character and her godmother a little bit later because I really love talking about it and I feel like you'd have some really fun, good opinions on it or just interesting yeah. things to say. Uh, but I wanted to ask you about the humor of Fleabag and whether you think that... Oh, yeah. and Is it funny to you? And what do you think the purpose of having it be a comedy is? I think it's fucking hilarious. Mm. I think it's absolutely so funny. Um even just like returning back to the first scene, it's just so fucking funny. I guess the purpose of it being humorous is just kind of like this sounds cliche, but like no, give it to me. 
but like really like life's kind of like a fucking joke <laughs> I don't know yeah I really agree I with you I think life it. is a fucking joke specifically for women and you're just like gotta laugh yeah. what are you gonna do I'll just joke yeah. about it yeah and it's just again I know like um, a lot of my friends like to say this very specific phrase to me which is like Matt up this can only happen to you like some of the experiences that you experience like that you go through can only happen to you and a lot of those experiences are kind of sad and sometimes serious sometimes not serious just really annoying such as me getting going on my first family vacation um and getting hand foot mouth disease and my sister getting <laughs> shingles and just <laughs> like that the fact that I didn't see Vikram for months very much things that could only happen to me and I think that's just kind of a way that I've also internalized just bad things happening but turning it into a joke it's just how I operate and I think that's how, how a lot of young women operate and it's also kind of I think parallels the shield of sarcasm that mm. uh, she carries with herself as a protective mechanism um, it definitely parallels that uh, like in the scene where her and her sister are driving to that spiritual routine, the spiritual the retreat, place. Yeah, the silent retreat. Thank you. Um, you cannot know this. No one can hold a map in their head. And her sister starts crying. It's okay. I'm fucking okay. I'm excellent. I know I seem mental, but I'm fine. Okay. I just, I just sometimes need need you not to, to take the piss don't finish my sentences and she just keeps she kept just continuing take the piss. out of you and your you don't always know what i'm going to say okay sorry out of out of her when she's driving me while i'm driving i think it it very much compliments her like the way she kind of protects herself i really one of my favorite scenes is every time claire laughs she starts crying like that's how bothered yeah. she is Hilarious. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite character? I think Olivia Coleman's character might be my favorite. Mm. But I also love Claire. I also love Claire. Um, and I wonder why I love Claire. Sometimes, sometimes I wish I could be a Claire. Just in the sheer um, unrelenting like drive that exists within people like Claire but I'm not a Claire. I'm definitely a flea bag. Um, so I, in some ways I admire her for that, but you obviously see the consequences of that as well. Um, I also just love that. I just love that at the end, she fucking left. What's his name? Harry? Martin. Martin. I don't know why I said Harry. It's, I recently um, mixed up the left. two names in an interview as well. I said the wrong ones. They're, they're so similar to me. Martin and Harry. That's the same name. Yeah. Yeah, Martin and Harry are the same name. Um, I just, I'm just glad she went for what she wanted at the end. Mm. I think I love Claire. I really love Claire because I think I know a lot of Claire's. Yes. I think in my life, I just love a lot of Claire's and I think they're such excellent women and I care for them so deeply. Yes, yes. I'm trying to think if I know, I think, I know people who have qualities of Claire, but I don't, I don't think I know a single Claire. Like a very holy Claire person. I think Claire is an extreme and a caricature in a lot of ways. Yeah. But a lot of her like energy I recognize. Yeah. Definitely. So you said that you were a flea bag, kind of unprompted. What does that mean when you say that? That you're a flea bag? You don't have to talk about yourself too much I, if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm like completely a flea bag. I'm definitely not as self-destructive. I'm self-destructive destructive qualities to myself but I bet I am a flea bag in which I think it takes me longer to get to where I'm supposed to be generally um my mom always also says this I didn't grow teeth until I was like three years old she kept taking me to the doctor and was like what is wrong with her I didn't walk yeah I could could, I didn't walk until I was like for something ridiculous just I just take my sweet time getting to the places I need to be and I think Fleabag is kind of like that though that might not be a wholly accurate assessment it's your but, assessment uh, I don't think that's there's any it's your the viewer is a part of the show man 
is true. But that's that's what I see reflected back at me. Mm. Um, and in what, in what other ways? Definitely the sarcasm and the humor I carry, but I'm definitely much more out, like outwardly emotional. I do wear my feelings on my sleeve. Many cliches have been said in this interview. I apologize. To Dude, this, and many more listener. will be said. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think, yeah, to that extent, I can so, I see myself as a feedback. Yeah. Um, that's, that's fun. I like when people, a few people that I've interviewed now have brought up, like have categorized themselves without me really saying anything. And it's fun to like ask about. It seems like a natural thing that you yeah. do when you have two such opposite characters. Um, and Speaking of the characters, I see them as like archetypes. Um, in the character sheet I sent you, like all the men have these like ridiculous names. And I wanted to ask, do you recognize the people in the show? Are there specific characters that you're like, I've met this guy. I've met this person. Oh, yeah. The really self-obsessed hot guy, hot yeah. pretty guy. Definitely. Um, I've definitely known him. I agree. I've met him. I've met this man. Yeah. <laughs> this man has hit on me. <laughs> Yeah, this man, yeah, definitely. He definitely exists everywhere. Um, but the man that she's with initially, the Harry? like, the, uh, yes. Is that his name? Harry? The, the very skinny one? Yeah, the, the white one who, like, her boyfriend? Who they keep bringing up, getting back together. Yes, her boyfriend. Yeah. Um, they're all white. I just realized. But, anyways, that's a, that's a different story. Um, <laughs> He, I think he is someone my friends have dated and I have been like, get out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you've become too comfortable with this man who might not be giving you what you need. And who also, just like Harry, was super... You're not like other girls. You can keep up. I'm thankful that I have not dated that person, but I have definitely seen it. And my friends have dated those people, so. I think it's interesting that Harry gets the you're not like other girls line, like out of all the men in the show. It's interesting that he says it because I think he feels very comfortable in his relationships with women, like comfortable enough to like casually say that to a lover. But I also think that most of them treat her, at least the the three men in the first season, treat her that way. Like Mm. so does the really pretty guy. He doesn't say it, but he's like, you were different. You've changed my life because of your tiny tits and the fact that you let me take it up the ass. The guy with the teeth also, I think, projected that onto her just by even like leaving the sex store. He was so uncomfortable. He was like, who are you? Like, you're so different. His experience at the birthday, at her sister's birthday. I think they've all kind of made her... They kind of took her and were like she's different than all other women and she's different for me like she's there for me she exists for me yeah so I don't think it's just Harry even though he said it specifically yeah um I think that's a really interesting way to view how they view her I haven't really thought of it that way so that's really interesting um if you want to if you want to go a little bit more in depth about her relationships with the three men Harry her boyfriend the bus rodent which is the character's name who hits on her on the bus, who she has sex with and takes to the party. And I'm not saying arsehole, but asshole guy is what I have said. Mm-hmm. Sorry to butcher the British, but I'm not saying arse. No, that's fine. They can live with it. <laughs> they can live with it. Do you think that she has sexual power in her relationships to those guys? Um, where does she have more sexual power? And how do you kind of see the sexual power balance? I don't think the sexual power actually exists. Mm-hmm. I feel like they create it in their brains which is again similar to the way that they make her out to be this not like other girls character all of those three men just wanted her to be this like nympho not nympho that's not that's not the word but this like sexually confident woman that was going to like change their lives in harry's case she was too sexually confident and he needed to he wanted to kind of make her his which mm-hmm. i don't think the the arsehole really cared about so she she used sex to absolutely um bury any any feeling that she was experiencing mm-hmm. about boo about her life so she used sex as a crutch in a lot of ways and i think 
they didn't see it as that. They just kind of thought she's just like love sex. And she also was like very, she's like quite readily available. Like anytime the, the asshole called her, she was there. Even like the bus running kept being like, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe like we met on a bus. To her, it didn't fucking matter that they were meeting on a bus. That was just like her coping mechanism was meeting this man and following whatever arc he was going to take her on. Um, yeah. And I think they just kind of misread the situation entirely. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, I think all those three relationships were very selfish on both sides. It was never about them as a unit. Do you think that the humor that you or the jokes made about or the humor derived from the men is different than the humor derived from the female characters? Is there a distinction for you there? Oh, yeah. I think it was very clear that the men were duds while mm. the women were quite a lot more strategic. Even in Claire choosing Martin as like a husband, like again, seemed quite strategic. Part of her like larger life goals as a woman, um, get a husband, continue with her job, etc., etc. Um, but the men were they were all quite just duds or just letting the women around them control them. In Martin's case, kind of making up... Again, Martin, I think, back to the conversation about men trying to make out Phoebe Waldbridge's character to be what they wanted it to be. Martin totally entirely made up that Phoebe Waldbridge wanted him. Like, that didn't exist. He, he truly had convinced himself that he wanted... that she wanted him all the men were kind of just like living in a delusion while the women weren't. I felt like the woman, and I don't mean this in a, in like the stereotype of like women as like strategic, like people who manipulate mm. men. But I was talking to a friend of mine recently about this too, like the stereotype of women as manipulators, how it's not as simple as that. And it's just dependent. It's just because of how, because men are fucking duds. I don't know if that makes sense, but I understand. Like, what I are you going to do? alongside these men like i think a lot of the social i think a lot of the social intricacies that we kind of just have to think about don't really cross a lot of men's minds and i enjoy that fleabag points that out i enjoy that fleabag is like none of these factors have crossed these dudes minds they don't think about this yeah and hence when the women play like a different game around them or just like they're just in a different social situation they're in a completely different spot yeah, and I don't mean, and I don't mean to be essentialist to be like women are like this, men are like this. But there, there is a pattern with like straight cis men and kind of like where they've been relegated to and relegated to think about and consider versus like cis women, and in this case, cis white women. Uh, my friend Bridget, who I interviewed yesterday, she brought up a really interesting concept, which I'm sure you'd not even concept, but she pointed out that the show is incredibly binary in a way where it's very much like yeah. women are yeah. this, men are this. Yeah. And 100%. in one sense, it's a really good way to explore that and to be like, the message is, you know, men and women live in very different worlds. And that's kind of what's explored through making it very binary. But on the other hand, you know, it just, it does create like one type of story and narrative and one type of experience. Definitely. Like even when she even when she meets the woman when she thinks about pursuing the woman at Claire's work, she meets at Claire who presents at Claire's job thing. Um the woman who wins in in uh women delivers. Yeah. So this is Belinda. And even just the way that Belinda is just so completely transparent with her and it is just such an absolutely different interaction she would have with any of the male romantic partners in season one, that also just even further enforces that binary. I thought that was a fun thing to, not a fun thing, but an interesting thing to point out. And I've been thinking about a lot of it, like really serving the narrative of Fleabag. But that specificity forces it into like a hyper-specific story. Yes, yes. With within existing within certain boundaries where men and women are these like very opposite creatures and that's where the humor comes from. And that's what makes, yeah. you know, relatable to us. Do you have a favorite comedic performance, a favorite like comedian within the show, a favorite moment, something along those lines? 
okay, I just okay, Olivia Coleman's character. I just let's talk Godmother. Yes. Let's talk Godmother because this like I we have all met this white woman who is just like comes off as this who tries so hard to come off as this like ethereal free being that we that is at a like has reached a stage that none of us will ever reach it's a sex exhibition but don't panic it's nothing scary it's simply a journey through my physical and sexual life climaxing in a few pieces inspired by and molded on your father <laughs> and their photos with her sexuality with her femininity with her um just with her in her relationships but is also somehow the most like disturbed character of them all arguably speaking um i've taken a photo of my naked body every year for the past 30 years why well i think it's important for women of all ages to see how my body has changed over the years i think they have to have a healthy perspective on my body don't they oh absolutely mm. i mean i don't need to tell you but your father is a deeply sexual man. I just, I love that. Like the gallery, the, the, se- the sex, the sex, the sex show, the sex exhibition was just chef's kiss. I just, and just making everyone else around you just so uncomfortable to prove a point, to prove a point that you're better than them. It is just a very, very specific brand of white woman that crawls Vancouver. <laughs> yes. Even her outfits, the like billowing, colorful. Yes. This like yes. It connotes this idea of like a free spirit, but somebody who's quite wealthy, you know, it just like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the signifier of financial freedom of her yes. art is very potent and very like palpable as well within the show. Yeah. And also, I think, like, as part of her, like, free person, personality, it accompanies a, like, I am also, like, a caring person, like, in my freedom. And the way that she talks to everyone is, like, and, and the way that she initiates talking about either Clara Fleabag's life, like, oh, dear, like, how are you? Like, how are, like, just this, like, really fake empathy that she gives off at any interaction is just so well done and so accurate when she in fact really doesn't really give a shit about anyone but herself i think that's just even that comedic undertone is just so well done overtone even i would say i also think she's hilarious every time she's on screen every time she says anything i'm like oh get it get it oh god why do you think that the godmother treats fleabag the way she does because because fleabag kind of sees through her bullshit Mm. i think that's why um and i think the godmother kind of fears that and also feels like Fleabag may contribute to her undoing in her relationship with her with the father though I don't think maybe maybe that's not an accurate assessment because the father is just kind of so what a beta like umbilical cord connected to Olivia Coleman's character like (laughs) a baby (laughs) really that that's my envision um but her absolute fleabag's inability to like keep um or just um, her honesty or sheer honesty i think that threatens olivia coleman and also just the very different sense of and kind of freedom that though she's extremely troubled and though i describe her life in season one as like her dealing with like an open wound um mentally speaking um there's also a lot of freedom when it comes to the, in when you're that destructive. Mm. Um, there, it's not like a positive freedom, if that makes sense, but it is a freedom. And I think that completely kind of derailed Olivia Coleman's version of freedom that she kind of tried to perform constantly. Um, even just her bringing like a new date to uh, each family gathering or event. Um, Olivia always made a quip about it, but I think even that made her uncomfortable. I was so pleased you found someone else so fast. Hmm. I just can't stop conjuring an image of you sitting around that cafe, just all alone, feeling so terribly lonely. Just can't stop picturing it. 
considering she's like so open with her sexuality and like mm. so yeah i think that's why do you think that fleabag has a villain as a show now that we've talked about the godmother <laughs> i was gonna say something so stupid right. say, the villain society yeah we live in a society <laughs> yeah the, it's so a black excited. mirror. It's a black mirror. It's your phone. You look yes. into and we smash the mirror and it's it's technology. Exactly. I think the villain can be said to be, again, a more cliche patriarchy. So specifically also Martin. Mm. I think there are I think out of all the characters, there seem to be no redeeming qualities about Martin. Um, and I think so it's just easy to relegate him as a villain because of that um, he just has no good moments um, he just seems consistently awful uh, and I think it's because Martin's kind of run the world but I don't think yeah but I don't think there is a villain mm. like a real villain except society except society obviously of course always always so Phoebe Waller-Bridge is, sorry, I keep saying Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Fleabag and Martin do seem to get along and have conversation and like, if not enjoy each other's company, mm-hmm. understand each other as well. What do you make of their like conversations and them hanging out? Well, I think I, I totally know well, prepping for Claire's birthday, even when they get a drink together and they're sharing a laugh. Um, I think the only reason that that was so kind of like the relationship seemed to be doing so well in those moments was because Martin was building her up to be wanting him like sexually. Mm. I think that that is the only reason they were amicable in those moments because he was kind of like, Oh, this is really happening. If does she want to fuck me? That might be a stretch, but that's how I view it. Definitely. I don't think that's a stretch and at I all. Think I think that's a very valid read of the situation leading to, you know, looking at what it builds yeah. up to. And I think, you know, Martin's self-aware. He knew, he, he he always knew he was fucked up. He always knew that he had issues. The bridge that connected them was because they were both, he knew that she was fucked up. She knew that she, I guess she was kind of self-aware too, though not entirely. And she knew he was fucked up. So it was really easy for him to paint her as like this um what's the opposite of a foil Mm. yeah but like a yeah as a kindred spirit that he could then make out to be the sexual partner this potential sexual partner for him in this fucked up moment i really like your reading or your view that these men project so much onto Fleabag and just yes. make her be this character to them. I haven't really looked at it that way, but I think that's a really, I keep saying the word productive and I hate saying the word productive because it sounds no, like I'm it. Jeff Bezos, yeah. you know? Um, but that's yes. such like a productive way to analyze what's going on. Like they just project it and she, I don't know. I don't know if she lets them now that I'm thinking about it, but. Yeah, I think, I think she does let them. Mm. I think she does let them project onto, the, onto her because then that allows her to to use them um, as long as she possibly can or as long as she needs to use them. Mm. What do you think about the character of the bank manager who she meets several times? Yes, the bank manager. Hmm. I mean, he's so... The bank manager is such an interesting inclusion. And the fact that they I meet agree. again... I agree. Oh, I think it's a really, I think it complicates the show a lot. I think it makes it very like yeah. strong to add it. Him, I guess. I guess he is just Phoebe Waller Bridge, kind of communicating that you can redeem yourself. Mm-hmm. You, it not all is lost um, when you are like a sh- when you when, if you are a shitty cis white dude, straight white dude. Um, but there's definitely more to it. But I have to, I have to think about it more. And also the fact that they meet at the silent retreat too. They uh, meet again at the silent retreat. Gosh, there's a lot there to unpack. I have to think about it. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, maybe if we want to, I'd love to talk about it a little bit more because you seem to agree that it's like a very meaty part of the show. Yes, yes. In their initial meeting, thoughts? my thoughts. What are your thoughts? Um, about- I think so I I like film history and television history a lot I think I feel like the more I work on this the more I'm like I just like studying things in context 
Um, so Fleabag was written, the show, not the show, but the play before the Me Too movement. And it came out like in 2016, right when the Me Too movement began. But I feel like yeah. it feels very past. It feels like it's in a like much more, it feels like a very post Me Too show in a way yeah. where it's but subtle but not in the like twitter wrote this script netflix yes. is producing in like not in the like oh god like not in the like ham-fisted indigestible teen drama way where characters yes. say absolutely where there's like no subtlety or realism to it no. and i think the bank manager is an interesting inclusion and i think the bank manager elevates the show for me a lot because it shows and it acknowledges that even though men experience sexual messaging and like sexual oppression very differently than men, men experience it too. Yeah. And yeah. that like healthy people don't grope other people, you know? Yes. And that like he, not that it's not his fault, I don't think that's the message at all, but that no, no. this explicit, this like very, sexually heavy society that we have where sex is like around us all the time and I think there's a sexual dynamic in every relationship in Fleabag I think that it really affects men as well and I think it's a very good way of showing it because he appears in the beginning and they sh they call each other slut and perv yeah and I think they carry those labels the entire show I think she immediately sets that up and then they meet again and he's at this like ridiculous men's retreat and she's still going through so much emotional turmoil and you know he confesses to her and they can kind of talk while she's silent and then they meet again and he just helps her and he reaches out and I think that that's yeah. and they're both such like sinners and they're both so like burdened and I just think yeah. it's an interesting choice in a foil and I think it elevates the text to an extent where you so you get to be like, man, like this really, men can be sexually messed up. Like the same messaging that she's seeing, he's seeing. The same yes. like really sexist society that we live in, he lives in. And so he did something like that. And he knows yeah. it's not a good thing, but he did it because. Yeah. And like, I think you're so two things. Mm. Um, one, uh, you're, you're entirely right in like, healthy people don't grope other people and it's just the connection that they do then have later on in the show is so indicative of like what we have lost as emotional like intellectual beings mm. because of the sexual power dynamics that exist within society like we have yes Mata, I, think, I really agree with you please yes keep we talking. have lost so much um mm. our relationships have been boxed in so many ways and I think their relationship kind of depicts how that it doesn't that doesn't have to be the case because and I just I also love that there really is never there's never any subtext that they want to fuck or anything. Like, mm. that doesn't exist. Like, they are truly two beings, troubled beings that help each other. Um, and, yeah, I, that's what I, that's what I was thinking. Just how much we have lost because of these sexual power dynamics and how they show that is, is uh, in their connection. But I was also wondering, Yana, and, okay, so in the scene with when she's when she's just ran to him to get the loan and she takes off the red sweater did she was she actually do you think she actually thought there was a shirt under there i do or is I there is there is there room for in, like interpretation there or do you think it was like very clear i think there's absolutely room for interpretation absolutely i personally think that she really didn't mean it but i think that there's enough in the show to back up that she you know she's an unreliable she, narrator you know, yes, for all, she is, yeah. I think that's completely possible. And also, you know, when she goes on the date with the bus rodent and she takes money out of his wallet and then immediately yes. offers to sleep with him. Yes. I think money and sex are also connected in that way. Very much. 
often yeah. enough for that to be like a valid interpretation to be like maybe she did two of my closest friends both of whom are white but mm-hmm. white women neither of them like the show neither of them like the show which is actually i was so surprised and i'm still surprised um one of them is i think one of them always just really hated the fact that phoebe waller bridge actually talks to us she couldn't get over that um which i found really interesting by the way do you like how much she talks to you how does it make you feel I didn't think I had any reaction to it. I just thought it was natural. For my friend, I will not name her name, but you know her. <laughs> um, she was like, she she disliked that a lot. She was like, she, that made her uncomfortable. And she just wanted people all rich to do her thing and to not engage with the audience in any direct way, at least. Um, so I don't know. It's quite interesting because really like talking to you, especially now, people all rich. It's quite the genius, and I'm realizing that with my third rewatch of the show. Um, but it's also interesting that w- at least women who I not the, not to say that all women are supposed to like this show, but mm. um, the varied reaction in, in my own friend group about about the show has been also interesting to talk about and engage. Please, with. yeah. Why does your second friend not like it? I think that's very interesting that they don't like it. I feel like most women I talk to really like it. Yes, um, the second friend I have. Her qualm is that Phoebe Waller-Bridge comes from an extremely wealthy family mm. um, and that she did not think, I think, I think that's just like a kind of a barrier for her because like, she's like, this is a, which I don't think, I don't think it undervalues her story, but she's like, this is about like a really kind of like this woman who has access to wealth, either through her sister or through her father, um, that she just can't connect with because of that. Um and yeah i think for my other friend it's really the wealth issue that just mm. keeps her connecting with the with fleabag um and then also in the context of phoebe Waller-Bridge writing writing the story uh this narrative so yeah i think that's a really fair criticism to bring up of the show that it's of like a very specific socio-cultural niche it's like a very white yeah. show about a very wealthy upper-class british family or maybe upper yes. middle class. I personally, I wish, and I keep saying this, I wish my friend Charlotte watched and she has British parents, so she explained it a little bit, but I wish I could understand the social signifiers. You know, I wish I could yeah. be like, I know exactly what part of London they're in because I feel like I would understand yeah. the show a lot better. But it does definitely, even to an outsider, read as like a very wealthy story of this like archetype of a British family that you know, of like a white British family that is so easy for us to globally recognize because we've seen globally have seen that on screen so much that we're like, oh yes, this is a family. Mm-hmm. I'd be, I'd be so interested. Yeah. I, you know, I haven't watched Michaela Cole's new sh- Is that how you say your last name? Do you know how to say your last name? Yes. Michaela Cole. I mean, I may destroy you. I still haven't watched it and I need to, I just haven't been, I haven't found myself Please at a, I know I will I love her like I truly am obsessed with her um I think yeah I am um but I just haven't found myself at the in the mental capacity to engage with such like very dark and like uh uh like a close uh like dark matter that is also close to home um but I it's so interesting comparing the two yeah, I've been, I've just, I'm almost done with I May Destroy You. And there's definitely, I think both shows tackle just similar issues. But I May yeah. Destroy You, it's like obviously from a very different perspective. Um, and that it'd be fun to compare. And it's so fun to have shows that like tackle the female experience. And you're going to be like, wow, two ways of looking at it. Great. And you you can compare and contrast and you can treat them separately. And it's nice to have more shows. Um, It is a very large trigger warning attached. You know what I mean? Like there is a lot of like very explicitly intentionally upsetting images. Yes. 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 Yeah. But it is very like strong. Yeah. But a lot of themes overlap, you know, about issues of consent and sexual freedom and who decides how sex goes. It's interesting that not, it's not interesting that people don't like the show, but I feel like one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it is because it seems so liked, and I feel like it's so worth studying. Yes. Yeah. It yes. seems like 
it seems I also to really agree. be connecting. Yes, it seems to be really connecting. And I was surprised because I really thought that out of the friends that I have, these two women would connect with it the most. But I was wrong. And also, Yana, I don't think there's ever been a show where I've been like, like two seasons is enough. I don't think I've I've ever watched a show where I'm like, if you do one more season, I will kill you. Like, it was just so well done in two seasons. Like, I, every, I any TV show that I like, I'm like, oh, continue. Like, you can do another season. Like, go ahead. Maybe, like, rest development. I was like, the third and fourth seasons were abysmal. Or fourth and fifth season, whatever. Uh, please don't continue. But it was just two seasons was just chef's kiss. Like, that was all that was necessary. Oh, anyways. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so narrative. Uh, I don't know. It's just like. I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge is a genius. I think she has such a feeling for everything. And yes. the way she connects themes over and over again that are clearly, like, on her mind that she yeah. kind of, like, works through. And you're like, oh, in front of me? For me? Thank you. In an interview with Vogue, Phoebe Waller-Bridge said that Fleabag was inspired by the cynicism she felt in her 20s. Um, care to comment? <laughs> Thoughts? I think my life is quite different because mm. because I have a much closer relationship with my family. I'm very close to my family. I also am in a long-term relationship with someone I like as a human being. <laughs> but obviously the themes are the themes aren't going to always be present. Like the themes are there. They exist. Um they have existed. They will exist. Yeah. So I think yeah, I think Fleabag and I very very different people, very different mm-hmm. kinds of relationships. My support system is much larger than Fleabag's. Like for, for Fleabag, there was really just only Boo. And obviously that changed, but I don't want to say it. Say, like I guess yeah, I'm, I think I'm better off than Fleabag in a lot of ways. So oh, my sure. experiences are quite different. Yeah. Um, I feel like the more often I rewatch Fleabag, the lonelier she gets. I also very, very much just find myself thinking like Fleabag needs some friends. She just needs some girlfriends. She needs some like yeah, women in her life to take care of her. I know, oh, constantly, constantly. Yeah, I think that a lot about, you know, people around me, though. I'm like, you really need some friends. You really need yeah. people who care yeah. and who listen. It's true when, when people, who, people are just, like, in their relationships, and then that's it. That, yeah, that's so, usually, which I think Fleabag yeah. was in. Fleabag was in that position. Mm. Um, she was kind of stuck with Harry for a long time, and. Carrie was her really bad crutch, a broken crutch, I will say. Do you feel any sympathy for Harry? Do you think he's mistreated in this situation? No. No, because I think Harry should have understood that this just... I think it's very clear, and I think in that moment, he should have also understood that she wasn't happy. Like, as a partner of someone, you're supposed to... Yeah, like she clearly wasn't happy he kind of like kept breaking up with her as like a punishment and then came back because he also thought that he was in love with her I don't know I just think Harry should have figured it out way earlier and I think that I think I think yeah I think he I mean I don't want to say that him breaking up with her periodically was just solely like as an act of punishment I think he was convinced that he was not going to see her again while subconsciously he was that wasn't the case but I think it did um I mean, again, just all very selfish people in the first season. Mm. Um, all very selfish yeah. people, hey? Even, really, you think they're all selfish? That's a, that's fair. Like, no, they're all not very all selfish. Them. Not all of them. Not all of them, no. I meant the men. I meant specifically the men. The men. Mm. Very yeah. fair. I think they're all very selfish people as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that Fleabag is kind of masculinized in her selfishness. Yes, yes. Definitely. Yeah, it just makes her like a masculine. Which is, which is, which, exactly. Which is why, like, going back to that comment that that, like, 60-year-old man had made to me being like, I hate seeing women in such a self-deprecating way. Like, to, or he specifically said, I hate seeing women not respect themselves. And I was like, your only issue is that, like, you've seen men, you've probably had friends who have been sleeping around with different women who have fraught relationships with their families um, who are, yeah, having mindless sex, you know, like your issue isn't that she's not respecting herself. Your issue is you're not, you're not comfortable with seeing women again, as you said, in this like masculinized way, because especially selfish way. And also Harry is kind of feminized in that way because Mm -hmm. Harry's so emotional. He cannot, he's always crying. Um, 
he and also the act of like i think traditionally in like tv or movies like breaking up and coming back feels like a very feminine or like a femme way of doing like things that you see women doing that a lot you don't see men um and also i think another thing is that harry kind of tries to fix her and that is also like a traditionally like female role like fixing Mm. the other person um so totally like the masculinization of Fleabag, especially in her relationship with Harry, that's real. That I definitely see that. Yeah. And as a result, I find it not difficult, but I think it's interesting how much I laugh at Harry when he's just presented as very female. And yes, yes. I like am happy to ridicule him when he's just very female. I think it's like funny. And I think it's a clever yeah. I think it's a clever twist and I think it makes me think a lot and I'm like, oh, you know, why do I think that this man crying and cleaning is hilarious? Because he's so weak. But it's like, more than that, it's very mixed. But then I think that the whole line of like, you're not like other girls portrays him completely differently than Mm. just like a really emotional man. I think that had he not treated Fleabag, had he not like made her to be this individual that could not exist anywhere else that was like made for him or whatever this like manic pixie dream girl trope that he put on her we would maybe we would have laughed less maybe we would have empathized more but i think that line and just how upfront he is to his own girlfriend about that how confident he feels to just say that to her undoes the fe- not entirely but there's this like a uh, tension in like him being feminine mm. and saying something that is so classically misogynist male. very classically yeah. Male, yeah yeah and it's interesting how we immediately read masculinity onto her abrasiveness we're like this is a yes. masculine yes. way to deal with things is there anything specific you'd want to talk about that didn't kind of come up mm-hmm. anything well something Something we haven't talked about is, which I think, I mean, I think when you go on, not on Netflix, it's not on Netflix, but it's on Amazon Prime. I think the first it's on Amazon Prime, but I'm not sure if Amazon Prime has this, um, you know, when on Netflix, you're watching something and it specifically plays a scene mm-hmm. when you're just scrolling through Netflix, um, like kind of like a trailer. I'm, I think, I think. I'm not quite sure. I think the trailer that I watched for Fleabag, it started with the scene where she's masturbating to Obama doing the democracy speech. I think that there's so much to that. I think this yeah. just, there's so much to that in, in one, the the racial implications mm. um, uh, of like a white woman like pining after this like pow- powerful black man like or just sexually aroused by him. Definitely. Two, how Phoebe Wallbridge kind of like with that one scene contextualizes the moment in history that they're in, the moment in time that Fleabag exists in. Um, and also just how absolutely unbashed she is about doing it while he's while her Harry sleeps beside her. And also also on his laptop. It's not her laptop. There's just so much there. Yeah. I also I agree with you. I think it's a very funny, and she also does the thing at the end of the scene where she cuts out what what someone's about to say. She like cuts the yeah. joke. It, it says a lot. It's a very strong, quick scene. You're like, man, well done, well said. Yeah, yeah. I also agree with you with the um, how'd you phrase it? Her lusting after like a powerful black guy. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of I don't know if you've seen her other shows. Um, Crashing is on Netflix that she made. I think you'd enjoy it. It's really fun. Crashing is fun. I didn't like Crashing. I didn't like Crashing. I was Crashing. I was annoyed. I don't. I don't really quite remember it. I didn't like it. I was just kind of like, I don't know what it was. I'm trying to formulate some thoughts about Crashing, but I just know I didn't like it and I couldn't finish it. I was frustrated by everyone and yeah i was the kind of like oh god like thank god she kind of grew out of crashing um and made fleabag but because if it was just crashing that 
I had to, you know, make an opinion about her. I, it wouldn't have been a good opinion, but, um, but I've also watched Crashing a while ago. So maybe my mind has changed if I watch yeah. it again. Crashing definitely is like a younger project. It's yes. like far less. Yes. A lot of the same themes are there though. If you, I think a lot of the character archetypes kind of reoccur, which is fun and interesting. I'm very oh, attached to the. I'm very attached to the gay romance in Crashing. I'm very attached. Yes, yes, the gay romance in Crashing definitely. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. It's I'm the very- like the hyper masculine guy, and then the like smaller dude. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think if I were to rewatch it, like that was my favorite, and like arc of the whole thing. So. Yeah. Um, I also really like the. I, you don't have to rewatch it, obviously, but like I, I think maybe it'd be interesting. Um, yeah, but definitely yeah. it's not as polished as Fleabag for sure. There's a lot of like yeah. more inconsistencies. I do think it's very funny. And I also like the like French artist. If I could play any character, yes. that's what I'd want to play. Yeah. I think he's hilarious. Yeah. Let's talk about season two for a bit. If there's anything you'd like to add about season one, I'm glad you brought up the Obama masturbation scene. Well, because again, Obama masturbation scene. And then you have that black lawyer that she ends up fucking right before sure. she fucks the police. And you have the woman who works at the sex store. She's also black. And then yes, in yes. Crashing, her black best friend, and black best friend is a wrong way to put it, but one of the characters is like a friend of one of the other characters. And she's also like a very sexual black character. I think that that's yes. definitely a blind spot that exists within her writing. That's where she yes, puts yeah. black people. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But what else did I want to say about season two? Mm. Oh, there's just, just, the priest just I know your hair looks fantastic by the way I've been admiring it this entire time (laughs) but god the priest and just this like this man her connecting with this man who is on a different spiritual realm than any other character like we're talking about women being on different realms than men or in the show and then lo and behold this actual like follower of god (laughs) being the love interest and the only person that kind of like sees fleabag like actually sees her ah wow i know so i'm gonna say i'm gonna rewatch season two after this (laughs) yeah i've i've rewatched season two recently a lot as well i also really like the fact that he's celibate and I think it's a very, yeah. it's yeah. such an, it's such a fascinating and great way to like contrast the themes of season one to be like, she wants to be with somebody who's not going to have sex with her, who's never going to be able to love her that way. What does that mean? What does that look like? And, okay, but do you, okay, do you follow, I mean, you don't have Twitter, do you? No, I, I recently, I deleted all social media off of my phone. I can only access it on my laptop. I have been going insane. So no, I don't have Twitter. I never will get Twitter, but please keep talking. So, okay. So there's this writer, her name is Bolu Baba Lola. She actually just came out with a book, I think on it's what's the book. It's called love in color, mythical tales from around the world retold, which I cannot wait for because it's specifically um, historical rom romances, but for women of color, it's not, which is something I've been looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I've been looking for everywhere. But anyway, she is, I think, truly the, I I would argue she's the number one, like, cultural critic that exists on Twitter right now. Her and Ashley oh, Ray, yeah. two, two amazing black women. Um, Ashley Ray writes for um, the AV Club, mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but also other. Yes. yes. Um, but anyways, Bolu, when the, se- the second season came out, Bolu was like, we know that the priest, like, he has fucked with other women before. The celibate, the celibacy is a line that he uses. Like, it's not real. And I just found that really funny. I found that so funny. Like, the idea of, like, the priest being this, like, which I think definitely also kind of sours the second season a tiny bit, just thinking about it. But it's also quite hilarious to envision this priest as, as, as Fleabag being, like, the fifth woman that he's done this to. <laughs> Man, I, I just think that's at the same a. I think that's hilarious. B, wish you hadn't said that. I can't unsee that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, it's all that's right. Okay. It's right. That's hilarious, though. I'll definitely look into yeah. those now. When they have your recommendation, how could I not? 
Yeah. I, oh, I, I don't have Twitter anymore, but I miss them so much. I miss them both so much. Yeah. I feel like I miss a lot because I'm not on Twitter, but it filters through. Yeah, yeah. It filters through. But it's good. You're, you're, you miss some things that are that you would have regretted missing, but most things you should be glad that you missed. Thank you so much for coming on the Fleabag Research Thank Project. Thank you so much for having I, me. I had, a, I had a great conversation. Excellent. Thank you. That's really great to hear. I feel like I am kind of phrasing a lot of the things I say off of podcasts that I hear, even though this is like, I am very unsure what the vibe is of this. So I keep being like, formal, formal, informal, informal. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Doing these interviews and talking to people I like really enjoy and respect about Fleabag has been really fun. It's been like a big highlight. So thank you for coming on. I'm really happy that I got to talk to you about it. Yeah, me too.